Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? It's going good. We are almost there, Amy. It is time. It is time to head to Birmingham. You know, I'm going to hope that some people are listening to this in the car on the way. Or on the plane. Right, right. Or even better, Amy, on a train on the way. Oh, man, I would love to know if anybody rides a train to this year's SBC. Well, if you live in Memphis, if you live in St. Louis, Chicago, why not? Just hop on the Amtrak, head south, Oh, and there you are. I would love to do that. Uh, I am, I should look into that next year. I'm trying to think, does the train, does Amtrak go to Orlando? It goes to Miami, so. I would think it goes somewhere near enough. I don't know, but it's pretty easy to fly down there. Anyway, I'm I'm not taking Amtrak. I'm flying Delta. Oh. So, not this right. year. I'm driving. Of course. It's just three hours from Franklin to right to Birmingham. So you it it would take you longer if you flew. Oh, it would take me way longer to drive to the airport and have to do everything. You might as well just get get in the car. So and much more inconvenient too. Yes. Yes. So we're both going to be arriving on Saturday. Yes, we will. Right. And uh, part of my family is already there. So Keith is already there because... Yeah. The resolutions committee is hard at work. Right. They are already working as we record this. He's down there and Mary is down there with him. So uh, Whitfield, the Whitfields are already representing. I will join them on Saturday. Any insight into the resolutions that you can share with us? No, I have no insights to share. That's that's what Keith is doing. I'm doing parliamentarian work. Okay. All right. Well, but well, nice that's, try. That's good. Really nice yeah, try. I tried. I tried. So, folks, we we tried. So, we'll talk a little bit more about the annual meeting here in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we do that, we do want to thank our sponsor, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, located in Louisville, Kentucky, where they are training pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders for service to the ends of the earth. Be sure to stop by their booth next week at the annual meeting and pick up one of 500 free copies of Albert Muller's latest book, The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits. That's 500 free copies they'll be giving away at the annual meeting in the exhibit hall at the Southern booth. So be sure to look for the uh, cupola. Is that what it's called, Amy? Cupola, I think cupola. is what you're trying to say. I didn't know how, I didn't know what, where the accent went. That's how so. I say it, cupola. Cupola. That sounds very Italian. Yeah, I guess so. Or Greek. I don't know. But you can see it. It's like, it's Norton Hall. Yeah. So look for Norton Hall. Mini Norton Hall. Right. Right. And and head over there and pick up one of the 500 free copies of The Apostles' Creed. And speaking of seminaries this week, Amy, our big news story of the week, Jamie Dew was elected unanimously as the president at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary on Wednesday. Yeah, it was a really, uh, almost a surreal day. I was actually out of town at a meeting, but I was watching social media, just waiting for it to happen. And then there it was. It's a strange thing because, you know, we're already missing our, uh, our friends so much, but Man, how exciting. We're just, we're so excited for New Orleans Seminary. I'm so excited for Southern Baptist, so excited for them. They're, this is really great. There are great things that, that are coming, but it seemed like from what I could see that it was a great day, like you said, unanimous election by the trustees, but then they went into a press conference. There were some great pieces I saw, kind of fun. There were a couple of cool questions where they asked about 
the family adjustment, the kids. And uh, Tara shared a story that I actually heard kind of early on when they began talking about this with their family, with their kids, that their youngest son, Samuel, said, well, I was getting tired of Cam Newton anyway, so I might as well start cheering for Drew Brees. And that was sort of the beginning of his adjustment to New Orleans. I just want to say that Samuel is my favorite of the Dew children right now. There you go. But uh, there was another sweet story from Nathan where he talked about the Israelites in the wilderness following the cloud. And he said, it looks like God may be moving the cloud. And I, I thought that was a really sweet and neat story. Nathan getting all biblical and, and, and Samuel's just dropping dropping the the, uh, the Cam Newton shot. Yes, yes. But they those four are just the greatest kids. And it it was neat to see that that story got incorporated into the the special time of the day. But it seems like there's a lot of excitement on the campus there in New Orleans from what I can see from afar. Yeah, and we'll have to get uh, Dr. Dew onto the podcast here shortly, maybe get him in the next couple of weeks after SBC. I know they're transitioning down there. So we'll get him on here and get an interview with him later in the month. He did outline a four-pronged vision for New Orleans and Level College during the press conference. Uh, you mentioned the press conference after the vote and said that Level College would be priority number one and that it was dripping with potential there on the campus at New Orleans and also said that uh, priority number two, which would be enrollment, which he noted that included uh, admissions, completions, retentions, financial aid, and student success, and then also marketing and communications as a third priority and then building denominational relationships as the fourth in the four-pronged vision for New Orleans. So we congratulate Dr. Dew. And uh, the family you know, headed down there. I know that a lot of transition going on. It'll take a few months to kind of get things sorted out from the the Raleigh area down to New Orleans. But uh, we wish them all the best. And uh, I know Southern Baptists are excited to see that transition taking place as well. We do have some more follow-up news this week, Amy, from the Houston Chronicle, parts five and six. We talked about part four last week on uh, the podcast. This week, parts five and six dropped Amy, kind of give us the summary of those two stories. These two stories are focused on churches again. They tell a number of stories of abuse and then, in some cases, covering that up. A couple of things I, I noticed. First of all, every single one of these stories is horrific. I know I keep saying this, but we have to receive that. We just have to to know what's happening. But one thing that's interesting is this does seem to be uh, compiled in many ways from people who called the Houston Chronicle, reached out to them, sent them a message in some way after the series began in February. So what that tells us is, you know, in February, and there were times that I would hear people trying to run the numbers of, well, what is, is this really a big percentage of our churches and, and trying to calculate all of that. But the reality is what happened looks like that in February, when those stories dropped, then people read the stories and started contacting the media with, with new stories. I have something that I've never told. And frankly, the even privately and personally, I experienced hearing stories from people who were coming forward for the first time and even disclosing just personally with uh, with us or with friends, you know. Um, so I think this has started something, a reckoning, if you will, with 
some things that we just have, some of us haven't known and some have known and, and have not acted. So all of this is coming to the surface. These were many responses. They are tough, just like the other ones. One note that I just happened to catch on Twitter is Robert Downen, who really was the the main investigative reporter behind this series, but it seems like there's a larger team of people. But he did tweet today that there will be more stories after the end of June. So I don't think this is over anytime soon. And I think that what we have to remember is there is certainly, I know, something in us that wants this to be over. But if there are stories that need to come to light, then we need to be there for them. Yes, absolutely. And uh, that that has been the case since the beginning of this. And uh, that we'll talk a little bit more about how churches can be there for victims and survivors uh, later in the show when we get to our resources part. We've got a couple of great resources now uh, that have come out this week and, and kind of debuted, which I'm looking forward to. Yes. And one other thing, the Houston Chronicle also did update their database. So they actually updated it from the information that they have received since February. So that database is still there. It's searchable by state, by name. And I can't remember the number it it has gotten to now, but this, you know, this is, this is still here. This, this is not something that we can't get to the end of this and move on right now. We have got to, to face it. Yes, and uh, we will face it next week in Birmingham. I'm expecting it to be the story of the week next week, Amy. So I certainly think that the eyes of the world will be on us as they often are, but I think they will be watching to see what we have to say about this. All right, Amy, first of the month. You know what that means? CP. We had a good month, by the way. Had a real good month. We are 3.47% over the year-to-date budget projection. Tweeted that out earlier this week. We had a May total of $17.6 million and change that came in for the CP. That puts us $1.2 million above what we received last year in the same time frame and 4.4, almost $4.5 million above the budget. So we are doing very well on CP. Had a really strong May. So that's encouraging as we head into these final four months of the budget year. Fantastic. Down to Louisiana again, Amy. We have a Pastors Conference Vice President nominee. Tell us about him. There we go. Michael Wood, who is the lead pastor of First West Church in West Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, He will be nominated for Vice President of the Pastors Conference. Jordan Easley is the one that looks like will be making the nomination. And so he shared quite a bit. He served on the Young Leaders Advisory Council that the executive committee had done a few years back. He's also co-founder of the Louisiana Young Pastors Network. One of those things that uh, we've talked to the folks in North Carolina, a lot of these networks have been popping up around in in states. I didn't know we had one in Louisiana. Well, apparently we do. Apparently we do. Yes. Uh, He's also executive director of Multiply NELA, which is a church multiplication and revitalization initiative in Northeast Louisiana. So it seems like someone just very involved there in the state. And uh, this is exciting. So now we, we're, we're really getting there. Is that, are those the only two offices? Is there a treasurer nominate nomination? I can't remember. I think there's a treasurer that's going to, they always have a treasurer, but I haven't seen a nomination. And okay. 
honestly, the this the way the pastors conference is set up, there really is no official structure or official anything. I mean, they can right. they could nominate somebody for eighth vice president, and you couldn't really say anything about it because there's no bylaws or right. You could make up something. Assistant to the regional manager. But let's no. not let's not do let's eight not do vice that. presidents. There's no reason. There's just no. Let's not do that. Right. But it would be fun to see somebody, you know, nominate somebody for the assistant to the regional manager or something like that. That would be great. Why don't you announce but, that? Why don't you yeah. find someone to nominate? Send that into Baptist Press. I'd get a nasty letter back from Baptist Press if I did that. And it uh, would be well deserved. It would be <laughs> yes, well would deserved. Be. Sean Hendricks would not appreciate that. Right. Anyway, uh, but congratulations to Michael on the nomination. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to meet him uh, down in Birmingham. First West is uh, West Monroe, so that's First Baptist Church. Yes, West Monroe, so, right. Um, big church, too. Uh, worship attendance of about 2,500, baptized 93 people last year. So uh, a strong church up there in the northeast Louisiana area. And all right, Amy, to the seminaries again. We'll start at Southern and work our way across uh, the South here, it seems, but a lot of seminary movement this week in the faculty world. So uh, start in Southern, and we have Barry Gibson joining as a associate professor of teaching education. This is for Boyce College because they have a teacher education program, and the, it specifically focuses on training students to teach and lead in a classroom from a biblical worldview. So... He's got quite a bit of experience in the field of education and received an MA in Theological Studies and an EDD from Southern Seminary, as well as degrees from Union and University of the Cumberlands. So he's so he's a pastor in Louisville as well at Chapel Park Baptist Church. So someone that's been in the area for some time and joining the team it looks like a lot for them to be excited about. And over at Southeastern, you have a new Associate Professor of Philosophy. That's correct. Ross Inman is going to be joining our faculty. He previously served at Southwestern as Associate Professor of Philosophy and Chair of the Philosophy Department, as well as Philosophy and Ethics Division Coordinator for the School of Theology. And so he's going to come and join the community here in the fall with his wife and three children. And I got to meet them a few weeks ago. Just great addition to the Southeastern community here. So we're really excited. And of course, we just lost a philosophy professor on Wednesday. Yeah, New Orleans founding. That's correct. So <laughs> this is a good, it's a good time for Ross Inman to join the faculty at Southeastern. Just happened to be an opening, Ross. Yep. So congratulations to Ross Inman on his move to Southeastern. And you mentioned he came from Southwestern. It's a new day. In the School of Music at Southwestern. I am not uh, even South. not going to acknowledge that. Uh, come on, Amy. That's gold. Leo Day is going to be the founding director of the Southwestern Center for the Arts. Yes. So Leo Day, previously the dean of the School of Church Music and Worship, will be starting this center to help develop private group instruction to the community. So that will be actually connecting with the community in music as well as dramatic and visual arts. They'll host concert series, camps, workshops, help revitalize youth and children's choirs in local churches. And then Dr. Day will also continue as a professor of voice. So really, really cool new center there. Yes. And you mentioned that he was the dean of the School of Music. That spot is now open and the interim dean 
of the School of Church, Music, and Worship was appointed this week. That's going to be Joseph Kreider. And Chuck Lewis is also coming in as a professor of church music and worship over at Southwestern. Kreider and Lewis both come to Southwestern from Southern Seminary over in Louisville. But that's not all the moves at Southwestern. We've also got some missions roles that were filled this week. Yes, so John Massey will be the interim dean of the Roy Fish School of Evangelism and Missions, and Brent Ray will be director of the World Mission Center. Yes, and Ray came to Southwestern to direct the Global Theological Innovation Group, and that will be absorbed by the World's Mission Center. So that that role is kind of changing a little bit. And then you mentioned the deanship for John Massey. Uh, Massey has served Southwestern as the Associate Professor of Missions since 2012. So both of them have been around Southwestern for a while and just get some new titles and new positions for each of them. But there's more from Southwestern, and this one involves the women's programs over there. Terry Stovall, named Dean of Women. Yeah, this is a really exciting news. I was thrilled for my friends at Southwestern when I saw this release on just some new initiatives that they are doing. They're all, first of all, they're starting the Southwestern Women's Center and it will be housed in the Horner House. It will provide really a place for any female member of the Southwestern family to get resources, connection, mentoring, just all sorts of things for in professional academic and leadership development. They'll also host events. They will have offices in there. Terry Stovall will have her office and as well as Katie McCoy, who is a good friend of mine. She's assistant professor of theology and women's studies. And so it just gives women a place to come and express any of their concerns. And uh, Terry Stovall has been the dean of women's programs, but she will be the dean of women. So that gives sort of additional care. She still has some academic oversight, but also will give real strategic care for the students on campus. They also have revised the women's studies concentration and women's ministry concentration. So the women's studies will focus really on greater issues, feminism in church and culture, contemporary issues, helping them to engage the culture from a solid foundation, but then women's ministry will be focusing on kind of ministry approaches and leadership. So this is just just kind of a way to revise those for 2019. And then finally, they have a new associate dean at Scarborough College, Sarah Spring, who will be associate dean for student success. And she's been an associate professor of English there and director of the writing center. So this is just a way to uh, bring her skills to help students succeed at Scarborough College. So those are, are really big announcements. I saw that today and was very excited for my friends at Southwestern. So that finishes the recap from Southwestern. Four stories from those guys this week. A lot going on at the seminary. Dr. Greenway really changing the faculty and, and trying to getting things ready for the fall. And then finally up at Midwestern, they have announced uh, some changes to their fusion program, which in the past, it dealt only and strictly with international missions, but now they have added Fusion North America, partnering with the North American Mission Board to allow Fusion students to partner with church planters in North America uh, to help out you know, with the SEND church planting initiative that's going on through NAM, as well as some changes to the international portion where they'll be partnered with IMB missionaries. So uh, some changes going on there, including the leadership. Uh, they have changed the leadership of the program 
And now leading the program will be Eric Odegaard. He's going to be the director of the Fusion program there at Midwestern. He takes over for Scott Bronner, who has been leading it since its inception. So a lot of changes at our seminaries, Amy. And uh, before we get to the history moment, we do want to tie up some loose ends from the annual meeting. So, Amy, we have a CP stage schedule that has been released. We're going to put that in the show notes. You can download that. Uh, and it's also in the app, in the SPC app. Be sure to get that app, folks, by the way. But you and I are doing six total panels at the CP stage. You've got two by yourself. I've got two. And then we have two that we're doing. Uh, we're both leading. So let's run through the schedule real quick. There's some great discussions in here. This is going to kick off on Monday. There are a lot of great panels. The first one's going to be about adoption, foster care, and children's Baptist homes. But then we're going to jump right into Vision SBC on theological education with the two new seminary presidents, Jamie Dew and Adam Greenway. And us. Yes. So that'll be an opportunity for people to meet them here a little bit more about them and their visions for their schools. Uh, but then it jumps right in. There are a number, there are a couple of other panels, one on the gospel and culture with Trillian Newbell, officers of the Hispanic Leaders Council. And then you've got one on Send Relief. Yeah, I get David Melber and Vance Pittman joining me to talk about Send Relief and all the, the great work that they're doing. And then right after that, you hop up there with Brad Wagner, my boss. Yes. So Vision Life, Vision Lifeway. So that's a, an opportunity. We're, we're having specific conversations with the new entity heads. And as, as, uh, Brad Wagner is the acting CEO, he will be getting to talk a little bit about things happening at Lifeway. And then there's a break for lunch because of the send luncheon. So a lot of people will be going to that. Yeah, we'll be at that. Yes, and then come we come back, and Philip Bethencourt from the ERLC will moderate a panel on resourcing the church in the sexual abuse crisis. That's going to be a really good one. Nathan Lino from Northeast Houston Baptist Church, but also Brad Hambrick at the Summit Church, who has been very busy with the Sexual Abuse Advisory Council and the new resource that's coming out, which we'll talk about in a little bit, as well as Mary DeMuth, uh, who is an advocate and author of We Too, uh, who, which I had as my resource last week, as well as Samantha Kilpatrick, who is an attorney. So that's going to be a really, a really great one. What else do you see, Jonathan? Well, then you jump back up there and you have a panel on women in ministry that looks to be outstanding. And then you and I both are up there with a Vision SBC panel with uh, three entity heads, Kevin Ezell, Paul Chitwood, Ronnie Floyd. And then a couple of them will hang around for a go-to panel and then a Who's Your One panel that afternoon. And then uh, the last panels on Monday are a Sin Network panel and then on the shrinking evangelicalism and how we should respond a panel on stats and a panel on church planning. And that pretty much wrap it up for Monday. Right. And then we go into Tuesday, which of course the people, you'll kind of have to hop back and forth and it's not all the time. It, they're not back to back because there's business and things going on. But Tuesday morning starts off with a panel on our response to refugees in North America. And then a little bit later is a church revitalization panel then there's one in the afternoon after lunch on the Overcomer movie by uh, the Kendrick brothers. And so that's with uh, with Lifeway. And then you've got one on why missiology matters with Micah Freeze, Ed Stetzer, and Rob Armstrong. Uh, and then the last one of the day is on change and chaplaincy in North America. 
Yeah, then on Wednesday, there's one on racial reconciliation, shaping the future of church planning, global missions, and refugees. Again, there's another panel of refugees, and then one on mercy ministries and Southern Baptists around the world. So that'll do it for the panels on Wednesday. All the ones on Wednesday, remember, are in the morning. So uh, their Wednesday morning is kind of packed with panels because the exhibit hall is closed on Wednesday afternoon. It closes at 1 o'clock. Exhibit hall hours again, 8 to 8 on Monday, 8 to 6 on Tuesday, 8 to 1 on Wednesday. Now let's have a, a little bit of fun. Yes, a little bit of fun. The bingo cards. We released those today. Yes. And I want to point one out, give a few, I want to give a few tips. Okay. What you got? I noticed that the bingo card has Kendrick Brothers sighting. Yes. So if you want to get that one on your bingo card, you need to head over to their panel on the Overcomer movie because that's an easy one. Or the screening that they're doing on Tuesday night. Yes. So there are opportunities to see the Kendrick Brothers and do the same thing. If you see that someone's going to be in the schedule then go be in that place. I've got one. J.D. Greer is on the bingo card. Yeah, that one should be easy to get. Right. If you, I can tell you, if you're looking to fill that one, I would recommend on Tuesday, you go into the arena and sit down and you'll be able to mark that off. Yes. So some of the more difficult ones this year, maybe, is the shofar, which is it comes back from, again, from last year. Seersucker will be in plenty supply. Uh, Air Jordans. Air Jordans, that's that's the one that, that may be difficult. I, I don't know if JD's breaking them out for the plenary or if they'll make a cameo appearance like they did last year, his Air Jordans. So and there may be somebody else. You know, I don't know if Steven Ecker's coming from Southeastern. Uh, if he's there, then the Jordans will be. Yeah, no, I think this year he's not He's not going to make it. All right, well, that, that may be a tough one. Now, I yeah. love how you threw in there a Lifeway store receipt because that means you have to buy something. Yes, and you can you can do two for one if you buy SBC FAQs. You oh, that's get right. Both of those. Yes, yeah. I highly recommend that. Now, a pastor with 30-plus years of service, that may mean you got to go have a conversation with someone. Yes. Lots of things. Be in the, be in the arena for the entity reports and that will be where you can see a new entity head or come see us on the cp stage and knock off three or four of those that's right and i i I also love person with multiple swag bags that's yes that was i think your idea or was that seth brown's idea i kind of crowdsourced these ideas this year i I think i voted for it i said you have to keep that one yeah i think you you made me keep that one You, you vetoed a couple other ideas i had but yes they, they didn't make the cut. Oh, and then there's also the SBC Deep State t-shirt, which is maybe my favorite one on there. Uh, yeah, I expected that. So I did see, it seems like some other people are doing some bingo cards. So I'm looking, Dean and Sarah is planning to release several fun things. Yes, because that's what Dean does on Sunday night. Right, on Sunday night. What all did yeah. he say that he was going to do? Uh, his superlatives, which is his most likely twos and, and things yes. like that. So. Bingo, yes, uh, superlatives, bingo game, and a scavenger hunt, as well as a category, things we learned this past year. So keep an eye on Twitter Sunday night uh, for all that Dean and Sarah will share. We'll have a, a really good time. And Amy, I know you're such a big runner. So Wednesday at 6 a.m., uh, there's a big SBC run. It's kind of informal. We don't have the, the Global Hunger Relief run this year. So there's a big informal run. They're going to do three to five miles, uh, somewhere around that range. So 
Uh, if you're a runner, 6 o'clock Wednesday morning, Andrew Walker is kind of spearheading that. So check that out. So uh, that that'll be Wednesday. I, I you have a you have a breakfast though, don't you? So you can't make it. Right. But if it wasn't for the breakfast, you would be there. I would absolutely not check that out if <laughs> it weren't for the breakfast. But I commend all who are. Yes. And then finally, there was a Facebook Live this week. JD Greer, Todd Unzicker sat down and kind of had one last message before we head to Birmingham. One of the things they mentioned in that that I've seen get a lot of traction is to tip well. They're recommending everybody tips well at the annual meeting at 20% minimum. Let's be generous, folks, and uh, and treat people right. And uh, that you know, let them know that, that Southern Baptists are, are people who, who tip well. Right. So 20%, 20% minimum. So minimum. keep that in mind. Hashtag tip 20 was what I saw on Twitter this week. And we, I, I love that idea. So try to be someone who does that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week. That brings us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Okay, I did something a little different this week. Usually, I just grab, I kind of go searching around for something at the same date, and I just grab something that I notice. This time, and the links are, are, are a little bit different, what I wanted to do was go digging a bit to see if I could find any mention or reaction of D-Day in Baptist media. And so this is, so it's the 75th anniversary of D-Day in uh, Normandy. So I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot. I have. I tweeted a couple things about that. I watched the first scene of Saving Private Ryan this morning, and it just cannot wrap my head around that. Yeah, and I was looking at something on Twitter that was just putting pictures and talking about how so many of these men were still teenagers, you know, I guess 18, 19 and having kids in the teenage years and they're a little bit younger, but just, just realizing what they face in life and then thinking of a few years from now having to face something like that. It just really, really sunk into me. So I've been reflecting on it and thought, well, this would have been something that Southern Baptists faced as well along with the rest of the world so our meeting had already happened it had you know they used to happen in may so our meeting in 1944 had already happened in may but i did some looking in some places where i could find news from 1944 the biblical recorder which is i can't give just a straight link to it wake forest university's library has digitized the biblical recorder archives going way back so there's kind of a, a viewer an archive viewer that you can go to and browse by date and if you go browse by date i'll give the link to that digital library and go to 1944 you actually have to go to the june 21st issue because obviously they they didn't report on it until a little bit later they have a an editorial that's just called the world at prayer and essentially the biblical recorder editor just compiled different things that they found in the news prayers from franklin roosevelt prayers from king george Basically anything where leaders were just appealing to God. And I thought that was just an interesting thing that what the editor did was to try and go to news and find anything they could that showed our great need. So that was interesting. I also did just some random searches here and there 
in Baptist Press. I found a piece in 1995 that was a reflection on Christmas from 50 years before. And it talked about how that's that year, the Baptist and Reflector, which is the Tennessee paper, had an op-ed piece from a soldier about how it feels to be home for Christmas. And it was by the, the son of the editor there and their younger son had been killed during the Normandy invasion. So the editor of the Baptist and Reflector had lost a son in Normandy. And so there's kind of some family reflections a year later. I also found a couple of other things where there was a, a debate in the 60s at Southern Seminary about the ethics of war and a professor there who had been in Norman, who had been there at Normandy was really reflecting on his ethics about the just war theory from that experience. So I caught mentions of it. There's not any just straight reporting, but I caught mentions of it throughout the years, which really shows there were a number of people in the Southern Baptist Convention highly affected. Certainly the war affected everyone, but this event was deeply personal for many. So I I think what you would say is, You know, we're thinking about 75 years since D-Day, but they were really feeling it this week in SBC history. All right, Amy, thanks for that. It's a good reflection uh, today as we record this. We're recording this actually on D-Day, the 75th anniversary at night. So just to, to look back and think about the sacrifices that were made on that day, just a good reminder. So appreciate that. All right, well, that brings us to our resource of the week. We kind of alluded to it throughout the show Becoming a Church That Cares Well, the new resource on sexual abuse prevention and follow-up in the church uh, by Brad Hamrick and a host of others. Brad was the general editor of the handbook and the videos. So, Amy, tell us about the resource, who all's involved, and and how churches can get a hold of it, Uh, because it's a free resource. It's free for any church that wants to do it, and it also kind of parallels the the, uh, Caring Well Challenge. That was also released this week. Yes. So if you go to churchcares.com, you can go right there, see the training curriculum. It's Becoming a Church That Cares Well for the Abused. Brad Hambrick is the general editor. It has a handbook. There's an introductory video and 12 lesson videos, top experts in the field. The contributors are Rachel Denhollander, uh, Micah Edmondson, Samantha Kilpatrick, Diane Langberg, Chris Moles, Andrea Munford. She was the lead detective on the Larry Nasser case. Carla Sue, Darby Strickland, Leslie Vernick, and Brad Hambrick. So they all work together on this resource. You can download the book for free as a PDF or as an ebook. You can also purchase a print book for $4.99, and I don't believe there's any profit coming from that. That just to cover the cost if you want to have it as a print book. Uh, but you can get it right now as a download and you can start the video training. So they're also working on a Spanish curriculum that is coming soon. So a lot of work has gone into this over the last year. This really gives an overview for understanding why our churches need to think about this and focus on this. So I have not actually really gotten to dive into this yet or do any of the video training, but I am uh, ready to do that and looking forward to to watching the entire thing. Yes, and I signed up for the video training. I literally, from the moment I clicked on 
get the video training till I was at the page to watch the video less than a minute. I mean, it's just a quick sign up. If you have a Lifeway account already, it's at ministrygrid.com. So if you, that's, that's the host for it. So if you have a Lifeway account, it ties right into your Lifeway account. You just log in. It's in your ministry grid account right away. And it was seamless. So easy to get. And we highly encourage you, if you're on staff at a church, take your staff through this. Take your leadership through this. Yes. And there are ways you now you can go in there and just say, I just want to do this for myself. You can also go in there and say, I am a pastor or a leader in my church and want to assign this to people or I, it's been assigned to me. There are a lot of ways you can do this with your whole team or just as yourself. Yes. So we do ask you, though, please have your church go through this. Have your leadership go through this. Check it out. Watch the videos. Understand the need for this in the church. And if you're at the annual meeting next week, join us Monday night. If you have tickets for that, for the discussion about this and this topic that the ERLC is leading. So nine o'clock on Monday night, South exhibit hall in the convention center. So uh, we will be there. I know that is the one thing we talked about in our preview episode. And if you haven't listened to the preview episode, go back and find that it's uh, episode two seventeen. So you can go back and listen to that. Uh, we dropped it on Memorial Day, so you have some time to listen to that. So if you're if you're on your way to the annual meeting, be sure to check out that preview episode. But that's uh, that event on Monday night is something that we talked a lot about in that preview episode. Yes, I will be there as well, and I think it's going to be a very important event. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. We are excited about the annual meeting. We'll be recording our annual meeting recap episode next week if we're still able to talk and think coherently. It's always an interesting episode, the one after the annual meeting, because uh, we typically record that on the, the Thursday after before we head home. So uh, looking forward to doing that. Looking forward to seeing all of you in Birmingham. Please do come up, say, hey, get Amy to sign your copy of SBC FAQs, and uh, we'll see you in Birmingham. See you in Birmingham. See you in Birmingham.